amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 34 of the Backyard Bank. Uh, it's fantastic to be here with you all again today. Uh, my name is Matt Harmon, uh, and I'm hosting the show here. And I've got a, a great guest today, someone I've been excited to have on for a little while now. It's uh, Field Yates from ESPN. Used to work it, with the old NFL as well, too. Uh, so, Field, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well, Matt. I appreciate you having me on. I've seen the podcast before, and uh, I think it's nice ways to weave the fantasy community together. But also, it, it, we're not exclusively talking about fantasy football which is uh I, I'm not I don't say a nice change of pace because we don't love what we do but it's cool to you know you follow people on Twitter you interact with them in a variety of ways you compare rankings all this stuff but you don't necessarily get to know um the guys or girls involved in this in this community outside of that so it's nice to sort of veer into a different lane and have a little bit of an opportunity to uh get to know people on a different level. I totally agree, and and the cool part about doing this for me is that people have said, like people that don't even like fantasy football or don't particularly care about it, like have said they just enjoy listening to the stories, and uh, that's that's pretty cool for me. I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, we're we're in each other's lives so much; it's nice to actually know a little bit about each other for sure. No question. And so let's let's start to get to know a little bit about you, Field, and uh, also just a word of caution to to the listeners and to you as well. I forgot to tell you this before we started recording they're doing work on my street so if it sounds like a war zone over here uh we'll just we'll power through it <laughs> but uh field we'll start with your background a little bit so i always start the podcast by asking the guest how did you come to kind of get the bug for for football and how did you come to fall in love with it yeah football for me has really been my entire life uh, i knew at an early age i was not going to play football at the national football in the national football league but uh, I can't even remember when I first picked up a football, but I know my obsession grew uh, early on in my life. I played, uh, I was a high school and college football player. I played at Wesleyan University, which is a Division three school in Middletown, Connecticut. So I don't, I don't broadcast much about my career because, frankly, I was not much of a football player, but uh, it, it, it allowed me, it was part of my college experience, something I always uh, remember fondly. But uh, I knew early on that I wanted to be involved with the game and actually um, – the current role that I have is entirely by accident. What I really wanted to do was be an NFL head coach. So I was fortunate to when I was very, very young, uh, probably around 13, 14 years old, start doing some uh, basically going to Patriots, little rookie mini camps and other uh, being around Foxborough. I'm from the Boston area. Uh, so being around there for some mini, mini camps and other small, not quite training camp stages. And this was even before some of the current infrastructure that's involved with the uh, NFL offseason was in place um, and sort of just being a ball boy, being a drill guy, being whatever they needed, uh, someone to do, grab water, you name it. Uh, and then after my junior year of high school, 
I started doing what I call an internship, but an internship really isn't necessarily the appropriate term because it's not like it was something that was readily available to apply. It was right place, right time, knowing a few of the right people uh, to start this internship. Basically, every summer and every day I had off from junior, between junior and senior year up through um, basically until the summer before my senior year of college. I was working with the Patriots doing a variety of scouting and coaching and other tasks. And basically what I tell people is that when you're entering the, uh, the NFL in that capacity, essentially what you're doing is it's like, uh, you know, Rosetta Stone football style, right? You know, in order to be able to scout a football player, or I shouldn't say in order to, but one of the best ways to be able to scout a football player uh, fluently or, or to be able to, uh, uh, you know, effectively uh, is to learn what it means to scout a player and learn how to speak, speak scouting lingo. Um, that's not to say that there's only one way to do a scouting report, but uh, that certain teams have certain ways, whether it's traits they're looking for, whether it's language they describe their reports in, other things that uh, you had to learn. And for me, that was a lot of my sort of fundamental um, information that I was gathering my first couple of years doing that with the Patriots. And then after I graduated from college, I was able to go, uh, I got hired by Scott Pioli, who's now the Falcons assistant general manager, uh, who previously was the chief general manager, to go work. Uh, in his scouting department out in Kansas City, uh, which was great. Uh, it was one of those experiences that I'll never, ever, ever forget. Uh, I'd had some some chances to do some coaching work too, my second season out in Kansas City. Um, so I was basically doing entry level stuff in both of those level, uh, both of those jobs. And you know, for scouting, it's making point of attack tapes, which are basically when the draft rolls around. It's you know, kind of like how draft breakdown covers the good, bad, and ugly of players for us mm -hmm. who are watching it online. And you imagine general managers having to scout thousands of prospects or a thousand prospects per year, rather than having him pour over, you know, 15 game tapes and try to find every play that, you know, a nickel cornerback is involved in. You've got guys in the lower levels who are going through the tape uh, of all of his games and picking out the plays he's involved in. Again, good, bad, and ugly, not just the good plays, not the highlight tape per se, but highlights and lowlights and everything in between. Um, some of it was writing up scouting reports of free agents, et cetera. Some of it was organized in the pre-draft visits, things that we talk about a lot during the pre-draft news cycle. It was a great experience, very hands-on, uh, an opportunity to, to work with some incredible people. Um, and I don't say that I had a light switch moment because it really wasn't a light switch moment. I just had a moment in time where I decided that maybe I wanted to not be working inside of football. Uh, I think we all, listen, everybody who's, who, who works in, in the community that we are in now works hard. Um, there's just a little bit of a different sort of chemical imbalance uh, in the football lifestyle that's tough for some people to take myself and you know, I just, I, I wanted sort of a little bit more out of my life than I was getting in football. Uh, you know, basically my life was eat, sleep, breathe football, 24, seven, 365, which isn't that different now, but you know, I've got vested root of interest in things that are outside of football that I have more time for now. So I stopped, I left, I moved back to Boston, took a nice face plant when I tried to get her my real estate license, which I did. That wasn't the issue. The issue was I couldn't stand doing that. Um, and then I sort of got that itch again, and I started to scratch that itch for football in my life. Uh, and I, I really, I, not that dissimilar to probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast, uh, I started the blog, started the blog, used that blog as sort of my working resume to fish it out to local newspapers, local websites in the Boston area, radio stations, TV stations, et cetera. Um, and, you know, really nobody, nobody said anything, mostly, mostly I got, I got ignores uh, from people that. Some now I know, uh, some I still haven't met, but uh, pretty pretty much radio silence. Um, 
I was doing some web, uh, some website work, uh, various places around the web, but uh, really my sort of hook was Mike Reese, who does really to me is as good of coverage of a single team as anybody in the country on any sport, uh, any team covers Patriots for ESPN. Uh, he graciously responded to my email within not even 11 minutes after I sent it. I don't know how Mike was the only person to respond. It happened right away. He's probably the busiest guy that I know. And he asked me to come down and do a little bit of work with him to help out. On uh, uh, He asked me, the Patriots in 2012 had two first-round draft picks. And this is the era of, you know, of course, the first night being its own event, primetime event. Patriots had two picks. You never know what the Patriots, what they're going to do. So nice to have all hands on deck. So that was an opportunity in. And one thing I'll say about ESPN that I've really enjoyed is that you get in there and you can do one thing. They say, can you do two? If you can do two, can you do five? And you can do five, can you do ten? And my path is sort of twisted and turned to what I do now, which is, I guess, a smorgasbord. Uh, fantasy football, the, the podcast with Matthew Berry is certainly a big part of our coverage during the football season and now some of the offseason as well. Fantasy football now is our Sunday morning show. And then NFL Insider, some of the stuff I do on the more uh, sort of news cycle side uh, keeps me busy uh, or at least Basically, for, uh, I guess, 11 and a half months a year, save the two weeks that we're about to embark upon. Uh, hopefully, I should say, knock on wood, hopefully over the next <laughs> two weeks. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I'm going to take you kind of step by step through, through, the, through the story that you just outlined there. Okay. And, I mean, talk about, talk about a, a wild ride through a lot of different phases. I want to kind of go back to the beginning with the, when you're spending time with the Chiefs kind of coaching, because um, that's a perspective that we haven't had on here so far we've had matt williamson former nfl scout matt miller talked about like kind of the the life of an nfl scout a little bit and why he didn't want to get into it but the coaching angle is interesting what what is that what is that like and i know that's a super open-ended question but i can i just can't like that's a thing i can't imagine like me talking to a bunch of guys that are bigger and more athletic than me Uh, that sounds (laughs) that sounds more that sounds intimidating especially from a teaching angle yeah, so I'd say this. Like, I never held a full-time assistant coach role. Uh, my my year in Kansas City was spent sort of as Todd Haley, then our head coach's right-hand man, and it was taking on some special projects. So it wasn't like I was a position coach that was working with a group of guys specifically every day, but I can probably still shed a little bit of insight um, into this, just knowing what the guys that I worked with went through. Um, you know, the coaching lifestyle uh, during the season, it's, you know, it's basically like you leave, you leave your house Monday morning you get back to your house on Friday afternoon. That's basically what it is. And in between then, it's film breakdown and certainly practice. But as you know, it's not like teams have endless amounts of time to practice now in the NFL anymore. It just isn't that way. The CBA is not set up that way. And um, it's just, you know, a lot, a lot of the week is maintenance. you got guys like Marshawn Lynch during the last handful of year, years of his career who he wasn't even practicing really, really wasn't practicing during the week, maybe a little bit of Friday light work or whatever it was, but I know his workload was very light. Um, but the coaching lifestyle is, you know, I always say this, the one thing that's confusing about, one thing that's sort of like confusing to wrap your head around is the idea that like a coach can pour a hundred hours of his life into Sunday and 50% of them each week could also have poured just five minutes of work and gotten the same outcome. I mean, whether you work five minutes or a hundred hours, if you lose, you lose. So that's the part that I think is so, it's like, it's, it's great. You know, you've got people who work hundreds of hours, a hundred hour weeks in investment banking, but it's not as if every Sunday their livelihood is redetermined, right? Uh, in football, every Sunday you're sort of, you're calibrated or recalibrated. So, uh, but you know, it's, 
the interaction with the player is certainly is something that kind of keeps the guys. They kind of like that's sort of the lifeline of the coaching industry is the opportunity to be teachers. That's really what they are. They are teachers, and each one has a different way of going about it. Some of the guys that I spend time around, whether it's Bill Belichick, whether it's a guy like Emmett Thomas who played the game at a Hall of Fame level, defensive backs coach in Kansas City, or whether it's guys who are young. I mean, I worked with um, Mike Zimmer's son, Adam Zimmer, in Kansas City. He's now in Minnesota, and he, he just – I mean, he's football he, – he's brilliant. He's unbelievable. He's just got this unbelievable sense about it, and he's so quick on his feet. And for him, a lot of how he's learned, you know, his early on in his career is like – you know, the, I would say that the uh, – the technology is so far different from when some of these coaches who've been in the league for 40 years who are drawn up play diagrams, where it's like you got guys who are now, you know, first, second year in the NFL and coaching, and they're doing everything on an app on their tablet. You know, it's just a, it's an evolving dynamic. Uh, but the football coaching lifestyle, I tell you what, those guys, not for the faint of heart, um, but the camaraderie built amongst a staff, whether it's high school, college, or pro level, I can certainly say from the pro level, that that's sort of what keeps you going throughout the week. Because if you're not relying on each other, it can be a lonely existence, especially if your team isn't doing all that well. You know, in Kansas City, my first year I'm there, we're four and 12. Second year I'm there, we're 10 and six, win the division, uh, make the playoffs, obviously, which was great. But it just has a very different, I mean, it can be a very contrasting lifestyle depending on where you are in the NFL. Yeah, I would imagine that one team is completely different from another. One thing that you hit on there a little bit was the idea of, you know, you can put all these hours into it and then the outcome is still the same, you know, determined yeah. in five minutes. To me, as a, as a total outsider, that seems like kind of, and I don't know, in a way like an inefficient process. Do you think there's like, and I always I always get this feeling from from NFL teams a little bit you know and again being somebody that really doesn't know what the hell i'm talking about because i've ah, never been there <laughs> but uh well there's a lot of things i don't know what the hell i'm talking about but this especially uh i think that sometimes i feel like there's an air of like this is the way we do things because this is the way we've always done things do you yeah. think there's a little bit of that in the nfl uh perhaps and you know it's like what's it going to take for this uh to change how will how can we possibly move off of uh, this idea that like you have to be in there every single day. I would just say this is that like coaches are creatures of habit. So some of it is born out of a comfort level they derive from knowing that like if I'm in the office every day by 4.30, I know that I can be out of there by 10. You know, I, I equate preparing to a football game um, like, like an exam, studying for an exam. Uh, you can study for as long or as little as you want to. It doesn't change that, you know, come Sunday at 1 o'clock or whenever the test is, you take it like there, there's a wide range of outcomes. I mean, I know some of the hardest workers I've ever been around in the NFL who it didn't, didn't matter how hard they worked. You know, if we don't have the players in place or if we don't have the schematic principles in place, we're not going to win. Um, I don't know. The, the NFL will never be a nine to five job. I certainly can say that much, especially when you factor in that like throughout the course of the day, you're extrapolating you know, really like six or seven core things that you're doing. You're breaking down film, your meetings, you're doing, uh, you know, spending time in the training room for your player, uh, you're practicing, all these things. But like, you know, there's so much it takes on a life of its own during the day. It's like coaches are losing five or 10 minutes here because it's, you know, catching a player in the hallway before a meeting or after a meeting, or it's, you know, working out, which it's so hard to, to find time for that during the season. But some coaches say the only way I'll ever do it is if I carve out an hour and don't think about ever moving off of that hour, that the days sort of just stack up so easily. And I remember uh, really my first, I remember my first year in Kansas city, there was a stretch and it was after the regular season and before the draft It was right during the home stretch. And I was working uh, what we called an in-house scout position, which was basically, there were three of us at the time 
in that position. And, and, and it was almost like, I'm not sure that we were competing against each other, but it was the days were getting longer and longer and longer, but it was actually working in reverse in terms of what it did to my internal system. All of a sudden I was finding myself refreshed, energized, motivated in a way that I hadn't been, even if I was working two or three hours less during the day. And I, I just think that maybe what it spoke to was that it's such a, um, you know, like, they're, they're, like gratification wise, I'm not sure there's anything that I've done that is stacked up to work in the NFL. Maybe it's a little bit of an obsession too when you're in the NFL. I think that's what sort of drives some of the very best. Um, but the days never felt as long as they were in terms of hours logged. It kind of just sort of felt like it was just, it was just a continuum. Um, and maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I, I just have a perfect answer. But you're right. Do I, do, I, do I ever wonder, like, could, they, could the NFL or could coaches shave things down by, you know, three hours a night, three hours a day? Maybe. I just don't know for sure. I don't have a perfect answer as to, all right, like, here are the first five things I would cut off my day because there's, everything feels um, imperative when you're, when you're actually living it. Yeah, certainly. I mean, when, when you're doing something, when you're doing a job, even if in the long run it's, like, meticulous – you kind of, with the getting to the end goal, it's all the, that's the satisfying part of it. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that a lot of what you're, you're talking about the lifestyle and everything. And, you know, I've felt this way before listening, listening to you talk about it as well. Like none of that really appeals to what I would want to do. So I can kind of sympathize with the, with the feeling that you had of like, I just want something else in my life. Kind of dig a little bit more into that. What was like the, what was the, the largest theme of the reason that you wanted to get out of that? NFL that was life? definitely part of it. I would say this: like if I had to do an elevator pitch, uh, as to, to to explain it, you know, I had thirty seconds to explain it. Is that I've I've loved football for as long as I can remember. I, I don't know when I didn't love football in my life. However, for uh, you know, a couple of years in a full time level, and then also four or five summers, whatever it was, and then basically all my winter breaks. And you know, in college, you get like a month after uh, right after Christmas, you get all this time. So I would just go down to the Patriot Stadium and just grind away on whatever work they needed to get uh, they needed to have done. I lived football. I can still, but doing what I do now, I still love football. I just don't live football every single day. Uh, you know, some of like one of the first things that I did when I got back from Kansas city was begin training for a marathon, which not was, that wasn't something that I had been longing for for years to do. It kind of just came up um, suddenly or out of the blue, but it was an example of something that I don't think I had time to train for a marathon during my time in the NFL. Um, you know, I wasn't able to go to my five-year high school reunion because it fell on a weekend. We were getting ready for the draft. Things like that that really, um, you know, I, I, don't think it sent a shock, I don't think it sent a shock to my system. You just think about it. You just say to yourself, am I going to perpetually be spending time picking and choosing between this versus meaningful life events um, and then also hobbies? I mean, I don't, to be candid, I don't have a ton of hobbies Outside of football, I'm not one of those guys. It's like you know, every every day is like you know, my hour my hours are playing like seven a.m. I'm at the you know the local rec league, and then you know I do a, I don't know, I, I like what else people do these days. I don't know whatever else people do like for hobbies. I, I, the I garden. I don't know. <laughs> you know garden, yeah, garden. I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't like belong to a cooking club or like you know the Andrew Luck Reading Club or anything like that. You know, like <laughs> I uh, I'm a, I, largely football. You know, I play golf, I play tennis, I ski, but I stink at all those, but I still do them. Um, but there's just time in your life for that, which is nice. It's a nice reminder uh, that the world exists outside of football. And, uh, it, it's not like we still don't make, you know, everybody has to make tough choices, you know, in football and at least uh, my schedule with the, with the NFL is, and not that we all aren't watching football on Sundays, but like I'm, I'm in Bristol, Connecticut on Sundays, every, every fall weekend, you know, and 
I'm there basically Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday. So, you know, there's not like, it's not like when your buddy says, Hey, like we're doing a, you know, we're doing a boys weekend up at the cabin for, or like whatever, we're going to a bachelor party or, you know, we're, Hey, we're having our, my, you know, my wife is having a, you know, a reunion or party or something like whatever it is. Like those aren't, those aren't yeah. just, they aren't always layups. It's not always, all right, cool. Like just tell me where I need to be and when sometimes you got to make difficult decisions. So the balance has been better. Uh, I'm back closer to my family, which was not necessarily, uh, I was never uh, like against Kansas City as a place. I love the city. It's an amazing, amazing town. I would encourage people to get to if they can and try the barbecue, of course. Uh, but it's, it's certainly nice. It's, it's icing on the cake to be around, you know, I'm one of three kids and it's nice to be within the, uh, you know, about an hour of everybody in my immediate family. Yeah, that's nice. Living across the country, I I can I, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I miss that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will say just a funny story from my own personal life recently. But one of my friends, one, my two two of my college friends were supposed to come out and visit me. Only one of them ended up making it. One of them couldn't for work reasons. And then you know his plan was like, I'll buy you guys all tickets to come out uh, to uh, a music festival in Austin, Texas, uh, in October. And I was like, dude, I. I are you kidding? I can't go do that in the middle it'd of the It'd be amazing, season. right? You know, it'd be right. amazing. We all want to be at like Coachella or whatever the fall version of Coachella is or yeah. you name it. I want to be there. But uh, the reality is you're just you're just not always there. It's just not always the way it works. Yeah, and when he's like he's like incredulous, he's like, come on, man, I want to buy you a ticket. I'm like, dude, bro, I don't even get like two days off during no, the season. It doesn't happen. You know? It doesn't happen that way. Football is a, uh, you know, it's five months or six months of crazy and five months or six months of a little bit less crazy. Right. It's just kind of an agreement. Like I'm going to just sign my soul away to football for a few months and then, then eventually I'll get, and, but yeah, but, but, but it is like, it's, it's living the dream every day. You know, I, I say it all the time on this podcast. I'm the luckiest idiot in the world, but, uh, <laughs> fields. so kind of one, one thing that uh, you, you mentioned at first, like when you got out of football originally with the, with NFL teams, you didn't jump right into the media side. You oh. took, you were, you wanted to get into real estate a little bit. Um, but eventually you got that itch. And you just started a blog, and that's that's so cool. I mean, and I guess people say that about me too, but it's weird to think of myself that way. That like you go from I, I just um, I just started a blog, and yeah. now I work for a big media site. Yeah, and it was never like none of this happened by design. Uh, candidly, I didn't. Like, I was sitting on Nantucket, which is where my family has a house in the summer, and I was just like, I want to say something happened with Chris Johnson. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was. Uh, it was actually, uh, this was right at the end of the, of the lockout in 2011 when I started to do this. Maybe it was because football at time kind of got dormant, and then next thing you know, we've got football again, and all of a sudden we're talking about, you know, football in a different way, and maybe that was what really sort of got me uh, excited about it um, again. And, you know, one thing that I would say, and this is not necessarily applicable, or not necessarily strictly about football, but I would say if anybody who's listening to this podcast who either is in a career they don't like or, or not yet uh, gainfully employed, you're still in high school, college, et cetera. Um, one lesson I learned when I, uh, when I made the, this transition out of football and into real estate was that uh, part of the reason why I landed on real estate was it sort of had like my pros and cons list of what I wanted in a new job. And it was less that real estate offered all the pros. It was that real estate offered few, the fewest number of cons. And rather than doing something because of the things that like work in its advantage, I was stuck on something that was not dis, you know, a disadvantage to me, if that makes sense. So always, you know, cause I, I was, I, I'd mentioned something to somebody and they go, well, you know, like I, I remember actually saying, Hey, you know, someone like, I wonder if sports radio would ever work for me. And I remember one of the first responses was like, yeah, but think about that. Like, let's say you're working at one of the local radio stations in Boston. Like, are you really going to want to watch 
every single Red Sox game, like the middle of July, like every pitch of every game, you know, it's like they lose some game 15 to three. Like you're going to want to watch the last three innings of that game. And I, I've come to realize now, like I don't think every radio host is watching every single second of every single game right. in the town that he or she covers. But still, I, I, you know, I mean, I got what the person was saying, but it was like, yeah, good point. I don't, I don't want to do that. And it's like, no, 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 no. Don't think of a radio job through the construct of, all right, well, here's all the crap you have to do that stinks. It's more like you could have four hours every day as your medium to reach a broad, wide-ranging audience. And if you find a town like Boston, which, again, is where I'm from, where the audience is engaged and passionate, like how can you beat that? that that's really a neat – neat opportunity for someone now, that that was not where my where I ended up but uh so I started the blog and I didn't really know where it was going to go and again I mean a lot of fruitless email exchanges where basically I reach out to someone and I either get nothing back or I would get hi I don't I, I don't really know what to tell you I can't I can't do anything for you which is okay I understand that um but you know I learned a lot from Mike Reese in that email exchange first of all the importance of getting back to people I work to try to get back to as many people as I can if not all of them who reach out and just say hey field you know I, I like you. I don't like you. I, you know, whatever it is. But um, you know, I try to just, I'll, even if it's a sentence or two, and just say, "Hey, I really appreciate that." I, you know, I, I know where you're coming from. Like, here's some thoughts. Um, I, you know, I'm. I wish I could tell you that I'm the guy at ESPN that hires people, but I'm certainly not that. So keep your head up, except whatever it is. You know what I'm getting at. Um, I learned some important lessons there. But blogging was again. We I used the term labor of love earlier, and I think it's still where where we are at with blogging and. I still think if, you know, I, uh, again, for people who might be on, who might be thinking about getting into this, this, this medium or this, this line of work, it's like, if I get an email from a, you know, a youngster who's saying, you know, he or she says, Hey, all I want to do is work in sports. And I say, how's your blog or how's your podcast or how's your YouTube channel? And they say, I don't have one of those. You know, the, 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 the reality of today's era is that information is available everywhere so you have to find a way to stand out and also like if i wanted to start my own podcast i could go i could you know hang up here and start my own google hangout with somebody else and we have a podcast in an hour it wouldn't be as good as this it wouldn't be a good one like yours but it would be a podcast you know like and, and next thing you know you've got a library of content that's developing and that's what i think is uh that was what i realized when i was sort of blogging and and and, and just hoping for and not really necessarily getting but hoping for an opportunity and then eventually one came uh Again, uh, really through the, the graciousness of Mike Reese. Yeah, the, the just wealth of options is almost overwhelming of ways yeah, to, that yeah. you can connect with people out there. I mean, you know, WordPress or Weebly or whatever, like it's free to make your own website. Uh, doing this is, uh, well, you host it through YouTube, it's free. If you want to actually put it out there on like iTunes and stuff, that's a little different story. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, but it's there's so many ways to connect with people, even like Periscope. I don't know if you've ever done one of those, but yeah. um, I've started, I've started doing those now. And that's just such a fun way to like talk to people. And even just, even if you're, I mean, if you if you're not Matt Harmon or Field Yates, like, you know, just talking about football into a camera is a good, is a good process of, of developing and everything. And there's just so many ways to connect with people now. Um, and it's why the community is, is, you know, ginormous. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's crazy how, you got your fingertips. I was sitting there. I was taking a bus back home last night, and I was like, I was like, hey, I, I had about maybe another hour left, and I was like, you know what? I should, I should do a Twitter Q and A. 
I realized my battery was so low and I, I was like, you know something, this is just going to kill my battery. And what, I, what would stink more would like have an hour and then like waste my battery in 20 minutes and then I have 40 minutes of no phone and nothing to do instead. So I, I managed to get through all but the, I've, I've got one episode left of Silicon Valley. So uh, I managed to almost get caught up, which I think was the right call in the end. But you're right. It's like, you know, every time you turn, you want to do something? Bam! You do it. It's it's right there. It's we are at the the we are you know fingertips at the fingertips with information, and it's really cool to see so many people that we probably know in common or follow in common on Twitter who we probably initially got to know them as a contributor to a website or maybe even just somebody who had a voice on Twitter. Who now they've got podcasts, they've got you know extended blogs, whatever it is, we're Facebook friends, you name it, you know them on a different level, which is always, I think, to me, one of the more enjoyable parts of what we do. Oh, no doubt. Like making human connections with people. And for me, like I always kind of still for, forget that like I'm not just a fan anymore or whatever. Yeah. Like, cause that's the, like, you know, I, I always do that. I'm sure you like feel the same way. It's like some of these people that you talk to, you're like, oh, wait a second. Like I'm friends with these people. And I remember like five years ago, like listening to their podcast, be like, oh man, I really, I wish I could do what they did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, trust me. It's, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's like, there's, I don't know. There are times where you're just like, wait, 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 this is who I work with, or this is who I spoke with, whatever it is. It's kind of neat. Yeah, it is. And, and I always say these things like not to, and I know the guests do too, not to be like, hey, look at us. We're so cool. But just the fact to be like, shoot, if I could do this, like you can do this too. You know, oh, that's, for sure. that's, that's the empowering part. And part of doing it in field, what you just, you mentioned a little bit earlier is like standing out. What do you think it was about you that stood out to Mike Reese or, or do you think you know the answer to that question? I don't know for sure. I have a couple thoughts. I, th- you know, I think that maybe my background was a little bit unique. Uh, just having had the opportunity to, you know, people who spend time around the Patriots, uh, even covering them, might have had an idea of who I was when I was running. I mean, you, you know, I, I don't look a whole lot older now, um, even though I am 29. But when you've you got a 15, 16-year-old running around the training camp practices every single day and following guys like Teddy Bruschi and Mike Vrabel and Rodney Harrison and Asante Samuel around and, and at their, you know, everywhere they go, it's like you're part of their shadow. You probably became a little bit, you know, I mean – I don't think they knew a whole lot about individ- about me individually, but maybe it's like uh, I remember seeing him around, whatever it was. So that was probably part of it. And then my, my goal, and, and this has shifted a little bit uh, as my media career has taken on, was what I sort of tried to focus on early on was um, find ways to relate my experience to when it was appropriate, uh, but not, not always. Like There are certain things that happen that in the NFL news cycle that I can't say like, oh, yeah, I remember in Kansas City when this happened. Because I, it didn't happen. Like I didn't. I didn't spend thirty years in the NFL. I'm not even thirty years old. You know, like. But there were some things that happened a couple of years in Kansas City. You know, four or five years in New England. That it's like I remember when this or and sort of trying to take the uh, peel the curtain back a little bit, um, without assuming that I was the voice of a, you know the authority uh, on all things scouting and coaching. I mean, I, I know enough to know that I'm a million light years away from that. But ways to sort of tap into that bring it to the people who are reading my blog. Um, since then it's evolved, you know, like I don't do a ton of stuff day to day where it's like, Hey, here's like, you know, what's the, what's the scouting side of this? I do some, I definitely do some stuff like that, but it's not as if everything I do has to be directly related to scouting. Some of it's news now for something that I've kind of tried to carve a little bit more of a niche for. And then of course the fantasy side, which is, you know, fantasy is like this big tangled web. There's no right or wrong way to do fantasy. Uh, sometimes it's, 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 analytics sometimes or analytical I should say sometimes it's what do you see on with your eyes sometimes it's let's 
be honest, sometimes it's just one of these, you know, a little dart throw that <laughs> works out in your favor or doesn't work out. Um, Amen. And then sometimes it can be, I mean, and again, I, I, and there's none of these are foolproof, but sometimes it can be, you know, something like a guy that I trust who works for a team that I know of says, hey, um, this is a guy you should really keep an eye on. Like, this is a kid who's really made some progress for us. Sometimes you use that in your fantasy, you know, your fantasy, uh, you know, your insight there. Sure, absolutely. I, I think I'm I'm trying to get better about combining different, you know, different methods and you know, a couple a couple of reception perception articles recently. I've been sure to like reach out to like to connections, like with the Tyler Lockett one in specifically. I was like kind of reached out to some people I knew and like, hey, this guy's actually going to be like a big 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 role player for them, right? Like, I'm not just going to write about him and he's going to play like half the snaps and yeah. you know get sixty targets. <laughs> so it's all about like it's all about you know kind of combining all of it to me. Yeah, it is. And I think the fantasy, one thing that I've noticed with the fantasy football community is that like no one is more, not the people who, who cover it, but I'd say the people who follow it, there's no community that's more willing to tell you you're wrong when you're wrong. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I sort of gave up, I gave up is the wrong word, but you know, I, I don't get too hung up all the time on, you know, most accurate projection player by player each week. Cause it's really hard. I mean, you know, it's, I always tell people there's, there's 22 variables on every single play that, determine the outcome of an NFL game. you got 22 players in the field. So I'm going to tell you that, like, probably next year, 2016, of the 16 weeks that each player – or I guess 17 weeks. But, like, I'm going to rank Aaron Rodgers ahead of Jay Cutler every single week, barring, you know, like, Rodgers breaks his hand or something. Like, all things being equal, I'm going to rank Aaron Rodgers ahead of Jay Cutler every single week. There's probably going to be four weeks, maybe more, where Cutler actually finishes ahead of Aaron Rodgers. So my question is, was I wrong for ranking Rodgers ahead of Cutler, or is it about the process a little bit less so about the results? Because the results are what people you know, turn back to you towards. Um, but the process is what I think we really should all be judged upon. Or, but what I, I don't think we should – I mean, we can be judged. I don't think it's like the most important part of covering fantasy is judging how someone did or didn't do. Um, but I think the process is what I, you know, people who are covering fantasy should focus on most specifically because I'm not saying we have much control over every anything, but I guess you do have control over your process and how you get to your ideas, your projections, your forecasts, your rankings. No, and, and speaking on the accuracy and the rankings part of it, I always say that, like, there are people in the community that, like, that's their thing. Like, Mike Clay, who, who works there at ESPN with you, like, he is elite at that. I mean, I don't know how the hell he does it, but he does it. Guys like John Paulson at 4-for-4, four four, four, those guys are consistently ranking, you know, very accurately in yeah. the top five every year. But that I always tell people, like, that's not me. Don't come to me for, the, like, the, the rankings accuracy. You know, come for whatever whatever it is that people come to me for. You know, they, 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 that, that's what it is. But And maybe it's, you know, a different thing they come to you for. Like, that's why there's not one, you know, fantasy god like there's you know multiple people of us trying to all get to one place and there are just different strengths and weak strengths and weaknesses even though a lot of a lot of uh, our readers or viewers or whatever really just want to know like okay do i start this guy or not like give me the order of everybody that's going to score and that's like you said very difficult well think about it this way everybody has a story of the person in their league who missed the draft and had auto draft on and still won the league or yes. simply chose their players because like they liked the teams they play for or you know like chose the five players that they actually knew the names of and then the rest of them they just like you know completely took a shot in the dark on players like it's not as i mean how often do you leave a draft and say like i feel like that's a pretty good team to me, honestly, like I don't have too many instances where I leave a draft and say like, God, that's that's a 
big bag of garbage. I feel yeah. like it's pretty good. I, I always like where I'm at after the draft. Or almost, I mean, some more than others, but I generally speaking like where I'm at. And next thing you know, I'm like, oh, man, like I'm in eight, you know, whatever it is. I'm in eighth place. Like, you know, it's week 10. This stinks. Well, that's fantasy football for you. Like, if it were scientific or algorithmic, there'd be some guy who would be the messiah of fantasy football who would win every single league that he or she played in and probably be worth millions of dollars and probably have some individual service that all of us were subscribing to and paying loads of money for each year. I was going to say they wouldn't be doing fantasy football if they could have that sort of algorithm to, to accurately predict everything. That's I right. feel they'd like be in yeah. hopefully, you know? Yeah, no kidding. Um, I, I think it's so fascinating, like, the, the kind of the – the jack-of-all-trades role that you kind of play at ESPN, um, and come, especially coming from like an NFL personnel background to now working in fantasy, I would say that you are pretty unique in that way. Is it, is it difficult to juggle all those tasks um, at all? I think that last season I sort of had a little bit of a trial-by-fire situation on my hands, uh, figuring it all out. You know, the NFL, sort of the scouting stuff, which most of the scouting stuff that I do tends to, to sort of profile towards uh, the writing stuff that I do. I write probably 50 or so columns per year for ESPN Insider. Um, and then sometimes we get, we're able to get into it on NFL Insiders or some of the other TV coverage that I do. You know, the fantasy football podcast that I'm part of, the Fantasy Focus uh, with Matthew Berry and then Stefania Bell and, and Daniel Dopp, our producer, you know, that to me was probably the uh, the most uh, significant adjustment for a few reasons. First of all, the podcast had been around for seven years with not a good host, but a great host in Nate Rabbits. It wasn't as if I was refil- replacing somebody because that person was a total bum and couldn't hack it anymore. It was Nate who had so much on his plate in other sectors of ESPN that he walked away from, the, you know, he, had, he said, I, I got to sort of, I got to take a step back here for a second. Um and then also knowing that, like, the podcast is – and I'm not naive. I'm not naive to what the audience is looking for in that podcast. It's, it's a podcast of people, many of which are, you know, incredibly dedicated, loyal listeners to Matthew, who, for good reason. Um, so finding a way to serve as kind of the point guard of the podcast, injecting some personal uh, touch and some flair, which is something that sort of every podcast I grow a little bit more and more into – also trying to offer value, knowing that we're not working against the clock. It's a podcast. In essence, you can go for as long as you want, but knowing that, like, you know, the audience's earbuds start to slide out a little bit more, you know, 35, 40, 45 minutes. It's not like everybody wants to listen to an hour and 20-minute podcast every single day. There's just not time for that in everybody's day. No, for sure. Podcasting and writing and, you know, being on camera, totally, totally different, uh, totally different skills. I tell people that all the time, like, you know, it's, we talked about this on just actually the most recent episode with Chris Heil, who's now no longer part of the industry. He's, he's, he's kind of left. And he was saying, like, you know, podcasting right in his, in his lane. But writing, not at all. You know, and again, that kind of comes back to different skill sets. I want to ask you, maybe for selfish reasons, for my own career path. But I'm okay. going to ask anyways. Getting on TV, what was that, what was that like? How did, for one, how did, how did it happen? Did they approach you or did you kind of put yourself out there? And two what are the skill sets that are completely different from just everything else? So the uh, ESPN approached me, but it was not like, uh, it was not like, you know, a bunch of time in the making. I got, I got a call from someone who said, do you want to come meet with a guy named Seth? Thinking to myself, a guy named Seth. All right. Who is Seth? And I real come to realize that Seth is Seth Markman, our coordinating producer of the NFL coverage at ESPN. Sort of, you know, he's the head honcho of the NFL and, and, and at ESPN. And I mean, no one, no sport is more popular than the NFL. Um, 
and ESPN is a, a big media company. So, you know, you want to make sure you're up, you, you're, you know, you're on your best behavior and, and, and sharp when you speak to Seth, um, who this is my initial impression of him. And that's still the case. Seth also, I, I now know him to be like, you know, just a great guy who I now like, you know, we, we, we're much more friends. We are still, yeah, I'm still, you know, someone who works for him, but you know, he's a, I consider him a friend now, not just right. someone that is, I call my boss. So I got a, a call to go meet with Seth and we talked about some potential opportunities and, you know, think about like, I never, I didn't train, I didn't do classes, but I'll never forget the first time that I was on NFL Insiders. I think it was August 6th of 2013. So almost three years ago. And I remember having a moment just before the camera went on for the show to begin. And I'm thinking to myself, I know there are a lot of people watching, but all I see is like four cameras in front of me. So I can either pretend like, you know, the weight of the world is on my shoulders or just have fun with, like I'm talking about football. I'm not covering, you know, situations of serious depth and magnitude. I'm talking about football. If someone gets pissed off at me because they don't like the fact that I think the Jaguars are going to go six and ten this year and not ten and six, I hope the Jaguars go ten and six. I hope every team wins every game. Like I like cover. We all like shining a positive light on a player or a team. It's like I mean, I think if you if you have a sort of good-hearted soul, that's not like an uncommon thing. The problem is like part of our job is to be honest in our assessment and be realistic in our assessments. So you invariably find people that don't agree with what you say or don't agree with what you do. And that part you just learn to live with. It's fun. It's funny for me. I don't no sweat off my back. I get a lot of, you get a lot of random crap um, on social media, but you know something, if you can't have fun with it, then you're in the wrong business, I think. So for me, TV was, I remember sort of having this realization that, I can go one of two ways. I can constantly be sitting there sweating, thinking about all the people watching it, or I could just have fun with it. And I know I will never be the smartest person when it comes to football in the world. But I also know that, like, I, we should all, you know, if you're going to do it, you should always believe, like, you should always do your best to prepare accordingly. And, <clears throat> excuse me, just be prepared for the fact that, you know, there's a far shorter uh, sort of, sh- like, segment breakdown for each segment on television there's on podcasting so excuse me clear my throat here you're always preparing to have your best like have your best points lined up almost have a hierarchy of information within each topic because you can't you're not always going to get to it and sometimes even what they tell you what they tell you you're going to get to hey we're going to have you on for 45 seconds talking about this point why Jameis Winston is going to break out in year two you might get to the segment and you might have 20 seconds. So whatever you think you have in 45, if you can't compress it to 25 or 20, that's, that's on you. So uh, the TV, to me, to me, it's the most gratifying thing that we do, uh, that I do, I should say. Uh, I just, I don't know if it's like this mini adrenaline rush that comes right before every segment, but to me, it's always been so much fun. And, you know, the pe- people really do make any line of work that you are in. And the people that I work with at ESPN, and I'm not exclusively talking about the people that you see on the camera, but the behind-the-scenes team, and again, I haven't spent a bunch of time with a bunch of different networks, is unparalleled. It's just ridiculously cool to see so many people that are so aligned and so dedicated towards making a television program, a segment, whatever it is, a special, a, a, a taped TV show, whatever it is, making it as uh, you know the best they can make it. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, and brevity, for sure. You mentioned that. I something that yep. I struggle with that I'm trying to get better at. But, and, uh, <laughs> I, I can't do it myself, so I'm struggling hard. 
No, I was going to say, well, I mean, clearly we're, I can tell just from podcasts with you, we're both talkers. We could sit sure. here and do this thing for, for hours, but it's, it's a little different on TV. And I'll tell you, this is, hope this doesn't, this doesn't come off as weird as I tell you this, but I can remember like three years ago watching your first segment on TV on ESPN. Like I can, I can remember that and being like, yeah. And just, and just even feeling like, you know, cause you're, you're a few years older than me and being like, damn, like, okay. I could like that could be me someday. I could I could maybe not. I've never like ever imagined that I would be on TV. Nor was that ever like a goal. My it was sure. just like I just want to write about football and whatever happens happens. But like it was one of those inspiring feelings of like seeing somebody be really successful at something. Inspire you know that's like you know a little older than me. It was inspiring to see that and be like that's awesome. Like you know there's somebody that's like moving his way up the ladder. I wanna I wanna get on that ladder. I want to do that thing too. And and I think that having you know role models and seeing people like succeed and again this comes back to like that thing earlier like feel like it's weird that i'm even doing a podcast with you right now it's it's pretty sick but <laughs> that's like you know that's life and it's it's important to be inspired by people that way well i think also that like it's such a cliche but we talk about like age being just a number and i'm telling you like i don't go on this i don't go on the set with anybody and think to myself like man i'm 25 years younger than yeah that guy or girl that man or woman I just think of it as like, what can I contribute to this conversation? You know, we have a lot of fun with the age thing, especially on the podcast, because it, it is an easy thing to sort of just like loop back to as a running bit. And we're going to talk about that for sure. Yeah. But you know something, Matthew and I like, I mean, at least I don't view, I don't look at Matthew and say like, the reason why he is so good at what he does is because he's just been doing it long enough. Like you're bound to get good when you do it for a long enough time. I look at Matthew or Stefania and I think to myself, like they have this incredible skill set that translates, uh, like it's not just knowledge they have, it's taking that knowledge and, and, and publishing it to the world um, in a way that people gravitate back towards. Yeah, it's, I remember, I think I've probably told this story on the podcast before. I think I probably just keep recycling the same stories, but hey, I'm whatever. good at that too. Yeah, like I remember the first time I met Sigmund Bloom in, our, in one of our football guys' retreats in Las Vegas. He told me, he's like, you're clearly, and I was 23 at the time, I'm 24 four now um and he was like, getting old, like yeah, I mean, yeah i know it's i'll be 25 in august dude it's geez that's like quarter away to 100 which yeah i know it's basically like i should probably just start planning you know my retirement because uh, it's almost all over um but <laughs> i think it was like what he said to me you know you're he's like you're clearly the youngest person here like not even close he's like but use that to your advantage before people because people are going to pick on you about it but just remember they're doing it just because they're jealous but you know like the, the sigma bloom is a guy that he's older than me but it's it's not he's not where he is because he's older than me like you said he's he's good at it if you're good you're young they'll find you if you're bad and you're young you won't get anywhere just the same as like if you're bad and you're old you'll get weeded out you know it's it's all about quality, not necessarily a, a number, but field, you mentioned the, the age thing on the podcast. And I, I kind of just want to like get into where, to, like, which is the fun part about having a, a, a following as weird as that is to say an audience is that you get like kind of a personal connection with people. And I see a lot of people tease you about the age and like, which is funny to me because I'm, you know, I'm even, I'm even younger than you are or whatever, but you know, I see like you, you had a birthday recently and like you, you held up like your learner's permit or your fake yeah, driver's big license. Big day, big day, faked. Uh, f- yeah, I, I didn't, people actually thought that I was like, that was the first day I got my driver's license. I was having awesome. fun with it. I just walked down to the local driving school, which is like a 10 minute walk for me. And I think it, it went off even better than I expected it to. So it was pretty fun. No, but it's cool. Like having that relationship with your audience, I think, and just being able to honestly, like, you know, you mentioned taking, you know, taking shit from people and everything. 
showing people that you can laugh at yourself and like laugh at the joke, like not take yourself, you know, it would be one thing if, you know, people were saying to you, y'all, you're so young, you know, this, that, and you were like getting defensive about it. But being able to kind of ride into the current is important in our industry. There are two things that I get the most flack for by far and what I, you know, publicly, my age and my name. I have no control over either one of those things. I hate to break it to people. I'm 29. I'll be 29 until I turn 30 next April. My name is Field. It's going to be Field. It's been Field for the past 29 years. It's going to be Field for the next however many years that I live. I don't have any control over those two things. Now, if you have a problem with me because of something that I said, I guess I, told, I, said, I mentioned earlier, like I, I can't really do a lot about that. I mean, I, and I mean, I'm talking within the, the contract of the, you know, sort of like the moral compass. I mean, if I say something that's completely out of line, I deserve to be called out for it. But if you have a problem with me saying like, hey, I think that this player is better than that player, like opinions are are, are hard to um, – you know, some of the people don't, don't, just don't like to hear them. So I, I just I, – uh, I, I, I go to bed every night, rest easy. I don't mean uh, – well, some nights better than others. Uh, but, like, you know, if, if you sort of believe in the process and believe in, like, the carbon of, your, of yourself, then you should be okay with dealing with the people that either mean it sincerely or have a light – you know, now I get all this fun, like – you know, like completely random hate. It's venom, but it's, it's like fake venom. It's, you know, yeah. it's like, it, it's very lighthearted. So I enjoyed that a lot and just, just finding ways to make the, you know, brush it off. We are going to, I'm sure there'll be a day where someone will have a wall of all of my like greatest screw ups in fantasy football. Like the things that I thought were going to work out <clears throat> or that I thought were not going to work out. And I was completely wrong. That person will probably have that sooner rather than later. <clears throat> excuse me, and they'll probably still have like, I don't know, 500 things that they didn't catch of mine that I was wrong on. Like, it's just the nature of what we do, you know? Like, if you want to deal in a world that's like, you're always going to be right, I'm not sure what that is, but it isn't fantasy football. No, that's for sure. And, you know, <laughs> there are about 300 things that people can and do tease me about. And it's, you know, it's fun. And I think that just show you not know, the they hair, can, not the hair. No. For now, until I lose it, and that is coming. Uh, ah. just, yeah, unfortunately, we're, we're 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 riding out the hair thing for as long as we can, uh, but eventually it will be gone. Uh, I've already learned to accept that. Um, but it, you know, those those are like the people that I know. Like they're really kind of. It's a way to show. You know, it's like your friends. Your friends make fun of you all the. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, my friends oh, yeah. make fun of me all the time. <laughs> it's great. I, I'm like a, the easiest punching bag there is of, of of stuff to make fun of me for. So you just own it. You know, like. Just yeah. like I want to bust some chops back. That's just the way it works. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like if if I, I, you can tease me, and I'll, I will probably you know I'll mess I'll mess with you right back. Like I still know who I always say I know who my real people are because they'll still make fun of me for Cordero Patterson when all, all the people for all the people that uh, that you know give me praise and high fives for Allen Robinson. There is still my my real my real people back in the day. They remember when I used to like Cordero Patterson. But that is a story for another podcast. Yeah, uh, no, no one needs a bounce back here. I guess not a bounce back, but no one needs a bounce up here from Melvin Gordon more than I do. I'm just telling you right now. Yeah, we're all hey, we're we're all like always quietly rooting for those back. Like, come on, man, just do it for like it's so it. it's so it's so stupid. It's like do it for me, really. Like yeah. it's like, good for your career because that's what's important. But right, <laughs> but in right, a way, right, right. In, in a way, like you know, do it for me too. Like it was, if the Chiefs could just throw like 120 balls to Albert Wilson this year, like for me, that would be great. But that's again a story for another podcast. But you know, kind of winding down here, I really appreciate your time uh, for sure. And one thing I've been asking people a lot recently, 
Um, is, is there one thing like in the community, whether it's the fantasy community or the industry at large, that you see that you don't really like or you don't really care for or you just wish was a little different? Um, this might be maybe uh, sort of uh, extends beyond the fantasy football community, but I'm sort of – maybe I'm just a power of positivity guy by nature, but I'm surprised – that there are people who have platforms, some bigger than others, that they're so predisposed to use it to either expose negative takes or um, present negative opinions about people. Like, I, and I'm not trying to be like, you know, cheerio, like the world is just always going to be easy and nothing, everything is great. I, I know it's not, it's not how it works. You know what I mean? If, you're, if, this, if there's a place to be positive and to be overly uh, leaning towards the positive side of things, this is the podcast. Yeah, so I'm just always surprised at how, you know, even, and sometimes it happens, like, there are times where I'll present an opinion and people, like, the first response will be, really? Like, re you really think that? It's like, maybe take a step back and say, rather than asking really, think to myself, all right, I wonder why, you know, Matt or Field is saying that. Hmm, like, maybe I can see it. All right, okay, cool, gotcha. All right, cool. So I think that, like, there's just, like, this, this, this leaning on, uh, you know, there's such a desire to, I guess, be the next best person with the next best negative take. That's a little bit interesting to me. Um, we're lucky for what we do, though, you know? Like, we're lucky for what we do. Um, it's, we talk about football for a living. It, it could be a lot worse, you know? Uh, so I'd say for the most part, that's, that's the one thing that, uh, you know, I, I don't um, necessarily agree with. But all things considered, like, it's, it's not a bad gig we've got going. No, certainly not. I, you know, again, I always come back to the fact that I'm incredibly lucky to be here, incredibly fortunate. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's awesome. It, it literally is the, the dream come true. Um, Field, I, this is a good this is a question I ask for some people who, and, you know, are bigger names in, uh, in the industry or whatever. Um, and I would put yourself, put yourself in there, obviously. Uh, but thank you to say that. Thank you. Thank you. Though. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, that's the, it evens, it evens the, it evens the ledger. Like I was going to pay you for this appearance, but now that I said something nice about you, I don't have to. So okay, cool. Good. Uh, but <laughs> what, what's, what do you think is the next step for you? Or what's like your, what's your end game is the stupid way I like to phrase it. Yeah. I don't have an end game. I think about this all the time, especially cause you know, I'm, I'm 29, I'm not married, but my friends are all getting married or engaged. Uh, so you start to think, I know you start to think about like, you know, what's life's next step. I just, I, I really like what we do. You know what I mean? Like I've got my interests outside of football that I mentioned earlier, not a ton of them, but like, you know, if you ever want to find a crappy golf partner, just give me a call. I'll be right there to, to hack it with you for a little bit. Um, the end game is like, I think that part of the reason why I find the podcast so enjoyable is that I think there are people that show up there for fantasy football insight, but really what they're showing up for is an hour of not not bar talk, but what sort of amounts to bar talk with people that they feel like they've gotten to know. And to me, that's fun. And um, end game, I'm not sure, but like you know, if, if if I can be regarded as someone who people enjoy listening to and they think provides a shred of insight, that to me is at least a good starting point. And the reason why I get a little bit less focused on the end point is, you know, like I tell people, ten years ago, if you had said I wanted to do a podcast as my job, people would say, "What the heck is a podcast?" Like, yeah. you know, or 10 years ago, people probably said, all I want to do is be, you know, the back page newspaper columnist for my local paper. And, you know, I love the newspaper as much as anybody else, but we understand, I think we understand it's an evolving medium. People are, are consuming news in a different way. Yeah. It's certainly hard to think about the end game when, uh, even like you mentioned 10 years ago, shoot, like 
a year ago, a year and a half ago, if you told me that I was going to be here, not sitting on my floor here, uh, talking into <laughs> talking into my computer, but in a larger sense, I, I probably would have slapped you anyways and called you crazy. So yeah, it's all about living in the moment. But you know, Field again, I want to really thank you for your time here. One last one thing I always do right at the end that you know some of the guests like, some of them don't, is I just give you the floor to say whatever the hell you want before we get out of here. Before I rip the floor out from under you, the floor is yours. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on the podcast. That is very cool. I think you're doing a good job. Uh, I mean, I think it's cool that you're taking uh, – you are bringing the fantasy football community together in so many ways, uh, but not, not, not necessarily because of fantasy football – not about fantasy football. It's cool to sort of uh, you know, get, a, get a glimpse into each person's life. Um, and I guess if I take the floor for a second, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this upcoming NFL season. That will be like my, what my takeaway is, is that like um, hopefully people look at the fantasy football. I always tell people that like – Fantasy football is is endlessly fun, you know. So people who are listening to this who might be fantasy football uh, avid fantasy football players, like I know you're probably going to disagree with something that I say. We'll probably get into some little back and forth on Twitter about why players rank too high or too low. But like, just have fun with it, you know. Like it, it's something that originally started off probably as an idea of someone who was like, this would be an intriguing way to uh, add some extra value to a game. Like, let's keep it at that, you know. Doesn't have yeah, to be, sure. doesn't have to be so serious all the time. Right. Hey, don't, don't take yourself so seriously. Don't take any of this so seriously. I think those are very good parting words for sure. Um, Field, again, thank you so much for stopping by. This, this was really fantastic. This, I'm, I'm glad we got to do this after, after a lot of jumping around schedule-wise. So th- really, thank you so much for your time. All because of me, by the, right, by the way. If anybody's still listening, it's my screw-up that I, you know, I'm, like, I, I'm, I'm crushing Matt with my, with my constantly evolving. I'm, I'm an, I just I need to either get a travel agent, which I can't afford, or I need yeah, right. to just I need to get like a handbook to carry around to make sure I have everything kept up to date. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know how I'm doing. A, I don't know how I'm keeping a, like a functioning schedule because that's like oh god, I can remember back in second grade, uh, like my teacher just pulling out this crumpled bit of paper that was my agenda that they had us keep. So. Yeah. I don't know how the hell I'm working it through this world, but we're all making it happen. And again, you know, it, it happens and that's all that matters. So for everybody out there that's listening, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, uh, if you could continue to share the show, rate and review on iTunes. We are coming down to the end of season one here. And this has really been a, just an awesome uh, journey for me to go on with you guys. And uh, I look forward to bringing you some more great guests. And we have a few more lined up. So Look forward to it. And in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you learned something today. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, 
working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.